Thank you for joining us today as we walk shoulder to shoulder, growing in love of the Lord and each other. Hi, Megan. Hi, Pam. It's good to see you. Good. You mixed it up a little bit. Yes, there. <laughs> I like that. You know, Great. I'm excited about the topic we're talking about today. I think it's very much needed. You came in here on fire for this topic and I was like, oh, this is really resonating with me, too. Yeah. You know, uh, so the topic that we're going to be discussing today is how to live as faithful Catholics when you've lost faith in Catholic leadership. Mm, so tough. And I say that not as every single leader in the Catholic Church, but I think the reality is, is we've taken a lot of hits in, you know, the past decade or so um, in seeing the sinful humanity that exists within uh, the leadership of the Catholic Church. There's been lots of scandals, lots of disappointments, lots of ways that it seems that church leaders haven't been calling out each other. They haven't been calling people that are in the public life that are claimed to be Catholic to, to be Catholic, right. to live out the teachings of our faith authentically and faithfully. And, and we, we look at all these things and it's so easy to become disillusioned and to be like, what's the point of it all? Or do I, how can I really trust this faith if the people who are supposed to be the the pinnacles of the faith are, are so seeming falling short of what one would hope they'd be? And then the thing that I think often even more becomes an issue is even if you stay in your faith, you say like, well, I'm Catholic and I'm always going to be Catholic and, you know, that that's not going to be change. But I sure don't feel like I want to be out there calling other people to become Catholic because then I'm going to have to explain all this mess that we've got going on. You know, I think this is one of the reasons that has kind of been on my heart, because recently, you know, there's been some Protestants in my life that I've had some opportunity to chat with and everything. And I'm just finding that, you know, I'm going to have to explain the realities of what's going on in our church And I need to know what it is I feel about it all and how I'm going to respond to it within myself before I can make any kind of discussion that's going to be meaningful with these folks who are outside of the church. So, Pam, you know, honestly, I really wanted to just sit down and talk with you as a fellow Catholic, someone who's passionate about the faith, who Very loves much. the faith, who I know is not leaving the faith, which not I have absolutely anywhere. no desire because I believe that what the Catholic no. faith tr- teaches is true. I believe mm. it's the church that Jesus Christ founded. And Amen. those beliefs have not changed no matter what mm. is happening with the leadership. So I think that it's really important that we just start this conversation rooted in the, those Truths. Absolutely. You know, this is the, the one of the questions I've seen kind of floating around um, the cyberspace podcast world, too, is like, why do we stay Catholic? Which is exactly what we're we're kind of asking today. And f- and for me or and for you, possibly, too, as converts, what brought me to the Catholic Church was the fullness of truth and the sacraments. Those sacraments are still there. They're still real. They're still profound in every way. They still change me interiorly. All of these things are good and true. And I like, you know, um, the imagery that's coming to mind for me is um, a long time ago when I was really uh, studying about 
social justice, okay? And the best way that the Catholic Church is always taught is eye to eye and on the level. So it's at a very local level mm-hmm. and not like this federal level, okay? Right. So we want to do not even just state, but at really local level. And so what I see with the faith too is that we're looking at our local level. I'm looking at my priest, I'm looking at my community, and I'm living my faith strongly within that. Even though there's like the smoke of Satan that's entered the big church, mm-hmm. right? There's no doubt about that. Um, that has been prophesied. Is It is true. That has happened. But when you come down to it and you look at the local level, when I'm looking at some of my priests on Sunday or during daily mass, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling the love of the Catholic Church still and the beauty of the sacraments and the richness mm-hmm. of the faith. And I'm not going to be distracted by that ugliness that is occurring, you know, when people are actually, um, the leadership is contradicting the words of Jesus even. Right. And one of the things I really like to think about as it relates to this, when I get angry or frustrated um, with what's happening at the level of, you know, even from the Pope to cardinals to bishops, you know, way from the top, you know, when I feel frustrated or angry or hurt that things are the way they are, I remind myself that if I didn't love the church so much, I wouldn't care that much. Our frustration, our anger, our disillusionment can really be the evidence of our great love for the church. And we don't abandon a love simply because, you know, we're upset because we love, right? We do what we can in order to help the church be who she's called to be in whatever way that we're called to do it. Right. I kind of like the imagery of like a family and friends. Um, If all of a sudden, for some reason, they're behaving poorly and outside the church or excuse me, just in in a way contradictory to the faith, we don't all of a sudden leave them and abandon them. Right. No, we pray for them. We love them where they are. We speak truth to them. And I, I kind of see that as the same way as the faithful. We are the church. The people are God's church, right? And so we need to just hold the line, be faithful to the gospel, be faithful to the words of Jesus Christ, pray for these brothers and these brother priests and bishops that somehow, sometimes um, can speak a little less than truth. Absolutely. And I do think that that idea of praying for the leadership is really important. I honestly have zero tolerance for people who want to complain and everything about what's going on in the leadership of the church and say no prayers for the people that are those people. And they just like they're willing to speak all sorts of negativity about, you know, their own bishop or the pope or whatever. And that's where it stops complaining, grumbling, even hating, even denying their legitimacy. Those things aren't helping. No. In if you truly are called being the Christian that you're called to be, if you're truly if you really care about living an authentic Catholic life, you are called to pray for those who you think have gone astray. You are called to do whatever you can to call them back into the fold in a way that shows that you truly love their souls, that you care for their souls. You know, you, for example, you know, I'll be honest. What Biden and Pelosi do 
as far as tout their Catholic faith and then go around and pass policies that are blatantly contradictory to the teachings of the Catholic faith is appalling to me. It's appalling to me, but I pray for their conversion. I pray for them to come to the light of truth. I pray that they will have repentance. And I pray that one day perhaps their conversion could cause great awakening in their penance, in their, in their contrition, that they would say, I was blind, but now I see, and I want others to see as well, the great witness that could be. That's what I desire. Not for ill to befall them, not to just denigrate them as human beings and to deny their dignity as, as children of God. Because if that's all we do is to complain and say bad things about them and say that they're evil and everything, that's all we're doing. That's not, that's not doing the work of God. That's not living authentically Catholic lives. So don't tell me that you're over here wanting the true authentic Catholic faith and you're not willing to even pray for someone who's deeply gone astray. That's right. We do. The mercy of God is everywhere and we need to be that mercy and pray for these people because that's a really hard one. I know there's many people that find it very, very difficult to pray for these people that have brought so much pain and suffering on others by their policies. And it's it's really a real thing. And Christ is calling to that, like, you know, dying of self to be able um, to pray for their good and their goodness um, all the way up to uh, the hierarchies of the church, too. Right. And when you've got very public figures who are living lives that are not consistent with the Catholic faith, even though they're calling themselves Catholic or even the leadership of the church that really is, is not being strong in, you know, proclaiming the gospel, like, and proclaiming the truths of the faith and, and being willing to lead in such a way that is consistent with them in those dark times, those who want to live faithfully, those who that is the, how they're want to order their lives. They need to shine all the brighter we don't go into hiding. We don't go into retreat because what's out there looks dark. We need to step forward. We need to be more visible, more active, more loving, more prayerful, more Catholic. That's right. <laughs> Not less. Don't step back That's in right. shame and say, oh, uh, you know, I'm Catholic, but I don't want to really be associated with that because it, it's yucky and I don't like it and whatever. So I'm just going to kind of hide in my own little parish and stick with my own people who believe what I believe. And we can get, get together and just wench about the things that we don't like about the Catholic Church and be all comfortable and convenient. No. The world needs your witness to the goodness, truth, and beauty of the Catholic faith. And if you're not doing it and the leaders aren't doing it, who's going to see it? That's right. That's right. Because our job here is still to build the church. We're still meant to be evangelizing. We're still meant to be calling people to Catholic church. So if somebody, you know, is, comes to you who's not Catholic, but say, say maybe they're Christian, but they're not Catholic. Do you feel like you you was like you you should become Catholic? Come, come to mass. Let me tell you about what the church teaches, whatever. Or are you like stepping back and being like, well, 
I don't really want to talk about the priest scandals, and I don't really want to talk about how the Pope kind of seems like a communist sometimes, and I don't really want to talk about, you know, what Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden are up to. So I'm just going to kind of keep that Catholic thing on the down low, and maybe we'll just talk about Jesus. You know, we can share our love for Jesus, but the whole Catholic thing, oh my gosh, that's kind of a difficult deal. It but is. Guess what? But it is. It, that's the reality we're living in. It's, it's kind of sticky to go there. It's like we want to talk about those commonalities for sure. Yeah. And we do <laughs> want to talk about the commonalities. But ultimately, if you're truly Catholic, you should want all people to become Catholic. Mm, so true. Because it's where the fullness of truth is. It's where Jesus in the Eucharist is. He is longing to give himself body, blood, soul, and divinity to everyone. Who are we to deny someone receiving Jesus Christ because we are afraid of, you know, having to defend some yuckiness over here? Right, right. You know? Let's reel it back in. Local level, eye to eye. Relationship. It's right. about relationship, right? Which is so much right. about this. Well, this, this podcast is about relationship. And I think there's a new book out. I haven't read it yet. And I don't even remember much of anything about it. But it's about, um, it, I think it's called Friendship and the Fathers. And it's a, basically it's taking a look how spiritual friendship was such a huge role in the development of the early church. And... Uh, I think Pam's going to look it up for me while I'm talking because yes. she's good about that sort of thing. But I don't, I can't, you know, I haven't read it yet, but I want to read it because I do think, you know, obviously I'm so ordered towards the power of spiritual friendship and what that can do in the world. And I think that it can serve in two ways in this time as it relates to um, what we're talking about. One, friendship with non-Catholics, that true authentic friendship can lead to, you know, bringing people to the truth of the Catholic faith. And also true authentic spiritual friendship with other Catholics. So that you don't have to feel like you're alone out there, that you're going shoulder to shoulder out into that battle so to win souls for the Lord. What, and so you find it? I did. Friendship and the Fathers, how the early church evangelized for the, for the church fathers, friendship was the heart of the gospel. Okay, I've got an idea. I think this is the Holy Spirit, Pam. It just came to me right now. Let's have it. Let's read this book and do a book study, podcast book study. We'll do like, we'll decide how many episodes it will take, but we'll announce it ahead of time that we're going to do this book. We're going to read it and we're going to do podcast series on it and we'll discuss the book. What I love think? it. You love it? Yes. Right. Look, it's born right here. You heard it, folks, first. Awesome. So yeah. it's by Mike Aquilina. 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 Is this not Aquila? No. A Q U I L I N A. Aquilina. Aquilina. I've heard of him. I, I think that sounds I've awesome. Read something by him before. Yeah. But so we're going to do that in the future so because good. it's just really important that we not lose sight of the fact that we are still on a mission here. And no matter how bad the generals may be working, the, you know, we're the infantry and the infantry gets most of the work done. So we need to be out it's there right. on the front lines, fighting the battle for truth, raising the standard of Jesus Christ and his church in mm. the world. You know, and I, I wanted to even like be, do something maybe even a little provocative because this, this thought came you? to me. Yeah. yeah. You know, every now and then. What if. 
you know, there's a lot, you know, during these times as things have gotten dramatic and everybody kind of, you know, sees with the pandemic and the way things are going politically and all this sort of thing, you know, the talk of end times and apocalypse and antichrist has raised its head in a really major way. And I think appropriately so. Yes, I think we need to read the signs of the times. We need mm-hmm. to always be prepared. Um, but these are dramatic times and, you know, they right. may be a march towards those moments. And I had this thought, what if a pope, I'm not going to say this pope, I just say, what if a pope turned out to be the Antichrist? Wow. What if a pope were the Antichrist? What if... The whole, you know, Protestants are always like some sex of it kind of say, oh, the church is the whore of Babylon and the Antichrist, yeah, the, the Pope is the Antichrist. What if they were right? Wow. What if that level of corruption reached the top it could level of the church? Mm. What would that mean to me as a Catholic? How would I live in that reality? And I think it's worth pondering mm-hmm. because it basically takes all whatever struggles we're dealing with in the moment to the nth degree, imagine it to the nth degree antichrist sitting on the chair of St. Peter. Mm. It's horrible. I don't like to think about that, Megan. <laughs> no, well, anybody who would relish the thought of that is messed up <laughs> as a Catholic right. for certain. There should be no delight in the idea that that could happen. But the reality is, is that when I thought about it, I thought, you know what? That could happen. And it wouldn't surprise me because if the Antichrist, whenever it is he emerges, truly wants to be as much the ape of Christ and to steal whatever is his from him, of course he'd want to sit on the chair of St. Peter. Because the the chair of St. Peter is where the vicar of Christ sits. That person that God has placed to lead his church on this earth and the Antichrist is going to want to mislead the church and he's going to want to try to ascend in that position. Well, how do you rectify that with the gates of the netherworld will never come against it, you know, will never bring it down? How do you rectify those two? How do you like? Well, first of all, I think. That a lot of people read that verse a little incorrectly. Ah, okay. Because the reality is, is that they look at that as hell or the enemy attacking the church. Which it always does. Right, which it always does. But the gates of hell Will will not prevail, which means the church is attacking the gates of hell. The gate is what you use to protect yourself. That that phrase doesn't mean that the enemy is not going to triumph over the church as much as it means the church is going to triumph over the enemy. Oh. Right? And so just as Jesus Christ looked like he was dead and buried in a tomb, we may look like the church is dead and buried in a tomb for a period, but she will be living and active just as the soul of Jesus Christ was living and active doing what? Storming the gates of hell, defeating sin and death, and bringing souls into eternal bliss. That's the goal of the church in the end. 
And even if it looks like it's all gone to hell in a handbasket, mm-hmm. because it seems that even the Antichrist is on the, tra- on the throne, but the reality is this, many, many people will not recognize him for who he is. Mm. They will think he's good and holy, but really he will be evil and ugly because he will be teaching things that aren't, the tr- aren't really the truth of the Catholic faith. And only people who know what the truth is and hold fast to that truth will be able to discern who he really is. The truth. So what it says to me when I do that thought experiment, because I am going to say right now, I do not think that Pope Francis <laughs> is the Antichrist, nor do I, am I saying that necessarily the Antichrist will be She's a not Pope. prophesying, no. I'm not prophesying. I'm just doing a thought experiment about what, it would look like to be a Catholic if that were the reality. Mm -hmm. And I think it doesn't really look that much different than who we're called to live out to be today. Because, you know, it says that there will be many, many antichrists in the sense of things that are people and ideologies that are opposed to the gospel. We see many of those now and we're called to constantly live in truth, no matter who that person is who is speaking a word that is anti-gospel. And so even if it's the Pope himself, you still have to say, this is the time immortal truth of the Catholic faith. This is what scripture says. This is what sacred tradition has taught since the days of the apostles. And anything that goes against that, I, I will not comply. I will stand firm with the, the timeless teachings of the of the truth of the Catholic faith, no matter who says it, no matter who says against it, even if it's the Pope himself. That's right. Cling to the words of our Lord. And this is the thing that, that we have to trust in. We can only discern to the degree that we place ourselves in the hands of the Holy Spirit with total humility and total surrender and educate ourselves through scripture and reading the catechism and the teachings of the Catholic faith, when we're armed with those things, with honest, open-hearted discernment, that's all we're responsible for. So when we come before the Lord, we can say, Lord, I did all that I knew I could do. I've placed myself in your hands and I trusted you and I'm, if I made any choices that were wrong, I did all that I could do. And that's, he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. That's right. You know, if we truly approach it in that way. So that's the question I say, what I would have all of our listeners just really take to sort of an examination of conscience in this day and age where there's so much disappointment and so much confusion and so much straight up bad leadership. I'm just going to say it. Bad leadership. In all aspects of life right right. now. Is your faith in the Lord or is your faith in princes and men and people and ideologies? And if your faith is in the Lord... Seek him and follow what he calls you to. Seek him in humility. Seek him in supplication. Seek him in surrender. And seek him honestly and do whatever he tells you. 
just like our blessed mother said at the wedding feast of Cana, do whatever he tells you. Mm -hmm. And that's all we're ever going to be responsible for. That's right. Because God will have his way. Yeah. So I think the way we should end this is to pray specifically, sincerely, devoutly for the leaders of the Catholic Church. Mm. And I'm going to let you lead that, Pam. Oh, thank you. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord Jesus, we just ask for the grace, peace, and love of Jesus Christ to flow through the Holy Catholic Church. From the top, from Pope Francis, through all the bishops, archbishops, and cardinals, all the way down to our local areas, Lord Jesus, the Holy Spirit will just fill with the goodness and grace that is the love of Jesus Christ. That the people like Megan and myself, Dennis, and all of those here on the ground level will swell up our hearts, swell in our hearts just the love of our Catholic faith to bring it to the rest of the world so that we may dominate in our love and goodness and spread it throughout. So any errors will be just squelched. Lord Jesus, we just ask for these special blessings now and always. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. And we hope you'll tune in again next week as we continue to walk shoulder to shoulder. And until then, God bless. God bless.